Recording started. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another live edition of Top Rope Report here on Facebook Live, Google Podcast, Spotify, and TalkShoe.com. I'm your host, illustrious Mr. Trivia. Joining me every week, as usual, my co-host, my tag team partner, my best friend, the best in the business, the Nostra Greg. Greg, what's happening? Not much, Mike. How are you? I'm uh, doing okay today. Just okay? Yeah, just okay. All right. I mean, if I feel as good as I look, then I'm doing really good, because I think I look pretty good now. So, a lot better than before. I was going to say, you paid 22 bucks for that. Well, I can I can done that for four dollars a dollar for each corner. I can have done that. I can have done that for free here. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, you started off the last show, so I'll start us off tonight with uh, Monday Night Raw. Okay. Well, it opened up with the Judgment Day. Um, with actually only Finn Balor and Damian Priest coming down to the ring. Trib, take it over from here. All right, thank you, Greg. Yeah, I was pretty confused at the beginning. I was wondering where um, Rhea Ripley and Dirty Dom were when uh, the Judgment Day came out. You know, they, were, they started talking about, you know, the, the matches and what's going on, and then Cody Rhodes came out, and he said he thinks it would be good to have, it would be, Real interesting to have him and Damian Priest at Crown Jewel, and Damian Priest agreed. So that uh, turned out to be some kind of melee afterwards. And I don't know, I'm telling you, I think that's going to be a pretty interesting match, but we're going to get into that later on. But uh, I thought the promo was okay. It was pretty good. I gave it a B plus. Okay. Um, yeah, it was weird seeing two of them come down. Um, then they mentioned how Rhea was backstage preparing for the contract signing for the uh, Fatal Five-Way at Crown Jewel, so she wasn't going to be out there. Um, and then, once again, you had Cody Rhodes come out. And then, you know, he starts jabbing back and forth um, with Damien and, and, and uh, Finn Balor. And then he suggests that, you know what, I'm here, you're here. Why wait till Crown Jewel? And Damien said that would be a good idea. And then out came Dirty Dom and Rhea. And as they're coming down to the ring, good old main event Jay um, attacks Dominic, who then goes, you know, fist for fist or whatever with Finn Balor or Damien Priest. And Cody Rhodes are going through it. Um... Then Cody and Damian Priest, you know, spill out, spill outside, and here comes once again J.D. McDonough auditioning and coming out and helping Damian Priest. Um, they quote unquote destroy Cody's ankle with the steel chair to the steel steps. Um, all the meanwhile, Jey Uso is nowhere to be found. Um, that Judgment Day, you know, all walk away, quote-unquote, victorious. Um, I, I like the segment and everything. Um, I'm not, I don't, I, I, I will say didn't like it as much as you, 
because as often as I've said it, I am so, I'm just, stop force feeding me Cody Rhodes. Uh, I'm done. I'm full. I'm over full. It's, you know, okay, it's like, you know, okay, the turkey looks good on Thanksgiving, but you're not going to eat the whole damn turkey in one sitting. I just, ah, uh, just um, enough. He doesn't have to, I mean, this will be the third, well, we'll get into that afterwards. Anyways, that did set up a Cody Rhodes versus Damian Priest match at Crown Jewel. I gave the whole segment a B. Okay. Um, after that, we then had, um, the tag team matchup of the New Day versus the Alpha Academy. Um, Alpha Academy being represented ringside, um, by Maxine and their newest Alpha Academy member, Tazawa. Um, I get to go first. And let me let me say I love Tazawa being in the Alpha Academy. Um, you know he's one of those guys that that's been around. Um, we'll discuss a match that he had later on in the show, and that's typically how he's been around. So it, it's kind of nice to see him in a little bit different of a of a role here, um, being the qu- a quote unquote sidekick in the Alpha Academy, and. Um, yeah, I really, really like this match. I, I mean, the New Days are just consummate professionals. They are, they're, they're great. They're a great tag team. Alpha Academy's come a long way as the original kind of joke of a tag team to being, I mean, championship caliber tag team. So this was a really good, enjoyable match. Went back and forth. Um, I think, you know, Xavier Woods doing the reverse worm, getting, you know, caught up in, in an ankle lock was, was a little humorous. And, uh, I, I mean, I like this match. I gave this match also a B. Alrighty. Yeah, uh, Alpha Academy New Day. I believe this is the first time these two teams have met. Yes. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed the match. It was, it was a good match. Chad Gable and Otis, like you said, you know. Originally, they, most people thought they were a joke for a tag team, but I think they're legitimate. They can get some big wins. Um, I hope this isn't the last we see of this of this uh, match between the two of them because I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Xavier Woods with the backwards worm or whatever it calls it was pretty funny, and Tozawa just makes the whole thing. I mean, that guy is he, he's going to be like the hard truth of. Uh, Alpha Academy with his comedic stuff and his facial expressions and everything else. So I just want to see where they're going to go with with that segment as well. Maxine, well, she's just out there, I think, for eye candy. But I really enjoyed the match. I also gave it a B. I also gave it a B as well. Okay. After that, we then went to the matchup for the NXT Women's Championship, as was Becky Lynch defending her title against Indy Hartwell, who was fighting for the title that she never lost. Trib, what'd you think? I, was, I wasn't really too sure what to make of this match when it first started. I mean, I've never been a big Indy Hartwell fan. Uh, I, I enjoy watching Becky Lynch all the time in the ring, on the mic. 
But I think Indy Hartwell did a pretty good job in this match. I mean, in my opinion, I thought uh, I thought she looked pretty good. But we all know that Becky, you know, we all got the, she got the win, and now you can really say that Indy wrestled for the title now that she lost, even though she didn't lose it the first time. But yeah, I was surprised at the way the match went, and I was uh, surprised that Indy Hartwell hung in there. You know, as as long as she did, I enjoyed the match. I gave it a B minus. Okay, um, uh, I I don't know. the The first thing I'll say is I I never I I, I kind of skipped the like the beginning of NXT two which was the build up of Indy Hartwell, and then her eventually becoming the NXT Women's Champion. Um. So I didn't, I didn't get to see the fascination behind what she did. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, watching this matchup, I still don't know what she has that made her the NXT Women's Champion. There, no, you can tell sometimes there's people that are in the ring that they're just not good wrestlers, because, but they're athletic. Then there's a type that are really that at, overly athletic, but can wrestle. Indy's neither. She's not athletic, and she looks very clumsy. Every single one of her moves is very step by step by step. Um, Yeah, Becky carried this entire match, and they did what they could to try and make Indy Hartwell look not like she was going to win, but that she wasn't just a pushover. But, dude, she's horrible. She really is. I mean, she has to, she pauses before she does a simple clothesline. I mean, nothing, none of her moves are fluid. They're all very stiff, and she's just not athletic. I don't, I don't know if I saw a different match than you were, but I, I, I didn't like this match at all. It wasn't the fact that Becky Lynch was in it. Um, and Zia Lee attacked Candice LeRae in the locker room afterwards, uh, there would have been no sense in this match at all. I, I, like I said, I didn't like it anywhere near as much as you are, but I will give it a C only because it was Becky Lynch. Okay. All right. After that, we then had a little segment. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. Oh, well, backstage. Um, where Adam Pierce was talking to security and had a contract in his hand. Um, and we then had the contract signing for the fatal five way. Um, he had then asked the referee how many people they had. And they said, we have this. And he said, okay, double it. And they each came down one by one. Raquel came down first, then Shayna, then Zoe, as each one of them came down, they each signed the contract, um, which I thought was very interesting. And then Nia Jax came down, um, and she wasn't going to sign it at first because she wanted to know where Rhea was. Um, Adam Pierce then said that Rhea was going to, you know, he was going to get all the signatures from, from the four women, and then he had made arrangements to have Rhea sign it later. This way there were no issues, no anything. Um, 
Rhea then decided to come down to the ring anyways. Um, her and Nia Jax went back and forth. Nia was saying that, you know, she wanted, Rhea wanted her to just beat everybody, um, called Shayna smart, called Zoe smart, and then told Raquel that she was from Texas. So let me explain it to him rather slowly, which I thought was kind of comedic. Um, I mean, there's nothing good that ever came out of Dallas, um, or I should say out of Texas itself, um, especially Dallas. And uh, so to make fun of her that way, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, um, was kind of comedic. And then all four women wanted getting into physical fisticuffs and your typical contract signing. Um, the only difference was there was no table to throw out of the ring for it to fight. Um, so there's really nothing special or as Mr. Tribute say, nothing spectacular about it. It was just your typical contract signing. Um, so um, I'm going to go straight up and give it a straight up C. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I usually like contract signings. I mean, I've come on the show plenty of times and said, I enjoy contract signings as long as there's physicality. And there was no physicality in this, but I just did not care for this contract signing. I like the old-fashioned way where you sit at the table, sign the contract, banter back and forth. I understand they couldn't do that because they had a lot of people there. So I kind of liked the way Adam Pierce went about doing it. And then when Rhea came out and she was talking about how she's going to make Adam Pierce's life a living hell because he's setting her up. And uh, I mean, maybe it's me, but I think Nia Jax is getting bigger every week. No, dude, you're crazy. You're crazy. It is just you. It is just you. Okay. Unless it's the outfit she's wearing, too, so I don't know. But Go back and look at pictures of her from three years ago. Put them side by side. You will see that she has lost weight. Oh, okay. Just look at her face, dude. Just look at her face. That's the first place when you lose weight that it shows up. Okay. All right. After that, we then went to. Sorry, my phone just got all messed up. Um, a singles match featuring Johnny Gargano versus Giovanni Vinci. Trib, what do you think? I was waiting for this match. I wanted to see. I'm getting to like Johnny Gargano as a singles competitor. I think he does a great job in the ring. Vinci, well, I mean, he is part of Imperium. You don't see them. Uh, lately, we've been seeing them in singles matches, but they're basically known for uh, for tag teams. But I just think that there's going to be a problem, and he's, you know, they're either going to dump him or he's just going to go on his own way. And, and, and you know, as the match progressed, here comes Ciampa, and I believe we're going to see the reuniting of DIY which is going to be awesome for the tag team division, I believe, because they're a hell of a tag team. And um, I, I thought the match was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I gave it a B. Okay. Um, so uh, it's just weird that that you're saying that you're really starting to like Johnny Gargano, the singles competitor, 
and at the end of the match, um, it's clear, clearly stated or put forward that he's now going to be part of the tag team again, DIY. I, I just find that ironic. But the other thing that, that, that I didn't, right off the bat, didn't look, didn't like, was WWE, which they have a history of doing, is they bring out one competitor, go to the commercial break, that competitor's music's still on, and then the second competitor comes down. So, Imperium comes out, you know, on their way to the ring, accompanied by Ludwig Kaiser, Giovanni Vinci, and then they go to a commercial, and they come back, and then we get the... No, wait, we didn't. We just get Johnny Gargano in the ring. We don't even pay him the respect of giving him an on-camera entrance. Big negative to start off the match for me. Big negative. Um, you know, and, and going to repeat something that was said. Outside interference. Outside interference. Outside interference. Why do we need it? Every effing match. I mean, Ludwig getting, you know, involved in Tommaso Ciampa coming down and, you know, this and that. And then Johnny Gargano wins. Does Johnny Gargano really need anything to happen outside the ring for him to beat Giovanni Vinci? No, then why do it? We already know we're building up Giovanni Vinci as being the, the lovely loser. And if you're trying to elevate a tag team in DIY, just have him win clean. And then maybe after the match, it's a two-on-one where Tommaso Ciampa comes out. And that way you get the hands held together, whatever, for DIY. Why do it the other way? Because you have to. Because nobody can win clean anymore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I had to mark mark down this match considerably from what you said, and I, I gave this a season cat. All right. Doug Wilson is tuning in. Doug, thanks for watching. Congratulations on the birth of your child. Hey, congratulations, Doug. Don't know you, but hopefully have a healthy and happy baby child. Don't know if it's a boy or girl, so. Um, after this, we then had the return of Logan Paul. Um, Logan Paul, I, I get to go first, came down and was talking about, you know, Rey Mysterio and his match at Crown Jewel and how he's a free agent. And you know what? When, when he wins the United States title, maybe he'll come back to Raw. Um, and then Dirty Dom comes out, and I like the graphic on the screen now says, the big Titan Tron now says Dirty Dom Mysterio. Um, Dominic Mysterio. I, I just thought it was something they called him. I didn't know that they were actually publicizing it on the big screen. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. And then once again, I, I, I mean, I know I've seen and heard people, read people talk about how loud the boos are for Dominic, but I'm telling you, that sounded faker than, I don't know, a, a set of quadruple E cup boobs. I mean, it just starts and stops 
way too quickly for it not to be piped in. Because as soon as he stopped talking and Logan started talking, you you could hear people in the Raptors if they sneezed and so many other side of the arena say, God bless you, you would have heard it. I, I don't... I don't know. I, I, just, I just feel like it's piped in. Um, but until I'm literally actually one of these myself, uh, I can only assume that what people tell me is true and that the crowd really is. Um, and then going back and forth, um, Logan Paul then asking, um, oh my God, Samantha Urban to come in the ring um, and wanted him, wanted her to introduce him as the new champion and start to get a little uppity with her. And then to the rescue, Ricochet comes out. This was the segment right after, which I forgot to mention, Nakamura was backstage talking about how he likes sneak attacks and for Ricochet to be careful. So now Ricochet is going to come out and get in the face of Logan Paul and Dominic. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. Everything else about the whole thing I liked. Really liked everything. Uh, even though the booing, I think a lot of it was fake. I still, you know, liked it. Um, you know, Dominic said we'll be both be you know, two champions and blah, blah, blah. Um, ah, I'll go, I'll give it to DJ Culver and go B+. Plus. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, with Logan Paul coming out and coming down to the ring, and, you know, I, I've really never been a big Logan Paul fan. But, um, I mean, if he's going to be a free agent and he wins the U.S. title... Okay, well then, more power to him, and we'll see where he ends up. Probably raw. We don't know, but I think with well, um, no, if if, if he wins the U.S. title, he'll have to be on SmackDown because the U.S. title is on SmackDown. They're not gonna, okay. yeah, they're not gonna move Gunther to SmackDown. Right. I agree with you as far as the crowd noise. I mean, it just for some reason I don't know. I mean. I, I understand they want to make Tom look like a big heel and the crowd noise with the booing and, and everything else, but I, I think it's it's just, I mean, why pipe it in? The crowd keeps it. It looked like there was enough people there to make that kind of noise to boo Dominic. But, you know, when he came out and, you know, and then like you said, Logan Paul wanting Samantha Urban to introduce him as the U.S. champion, and then Ricochet came out, could we possibly see a Logan Paul Ricochet match if Logan Paul wins the U.S. title? Uh, no. I think so. No, no, no. Ricochet's on Raw. The U.S. title will stay on SmackDown. Even though he's a free agent? Yeah, they're not. What are they going to put all the titles on Raw? Roman Reigns never fights, so you can have no titles. On, you don't have a tag team title. Yeah. So the only champion true. on SmackDown you would have would be EO Sky. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Okay. Yeah, but overall, I didn't, I didn't think it was that bad. I gave it a B minus. Okay. After that, we then went to the title defense for the women's tag team titles, whereas 
Piper Niven and Chelsea Green taking on Natalia and her mystery partner, which was Nikki Cross. Trib, what'd you think? Horrible. I mean, if it wasn't for Chelsea Green being in the match, I probably wouldn't have watched it. Um, really? I happened to be going like to Chelsea Green when the match started, so I really didn't know who Natalia's partner was until I came back in and saw Nikki Cross just standing there on the ring apron, not doing anything. And it's trance-like, I mean... And then she just got down on the from the apron and walked away. And I mean, is Chelsea Green and Piper Niven good champions? Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, at least we see them on TV. I mean, at least they, they, they show up, whether they wrestle or not, or it's in interviews backstage. You know, Piper Niven's a big woman. Chelsea Green, I think she's getting a little bit better each time in the ring. But I just did not like the match at all. I gave it a D. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, kudos to Natalia for carrying the whole match on her own. Um, but, I mean, it was two-on-one. You know, she eventually got that, that little splash thing that Piper Niven does and gets her pinned for the one, two, three. Um, I, I, I totally agreed. I have agreed about Chelsea Green getting a little better and better for a while now. And I think her character is becoming even more annoying, um, but it's 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 humoristically annoying, and I think she's really found her niche uh, on the WWE roster, and I've I've said it for a while, but she's not as bad in the ring as you were saying you thought she was. Um, if anything, she can definitely take a punch. She can sell moves like you know. Like anybody could. She, maybe delivering is what she really has to work on, what she's slowly getting a little better at. Um, Nikki Cross, going back to the same days and confused Nikki Cross that was happy to have a friend in Candice LeRae before. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess it's something for her to do. Um but yeah, there was really not much about this match to like. Um, there was a lot to not like, and I can I'm, I'm go a little bit better than give it a D plus. Okay. Oh my freaking phone! Why does it keep doing this to me? The next match after that um, was. Sami Zayn taking on Drew McIntyre. Um, I get to go first with this one. Um, this was a good match. It, uh, as of this match, as of this time in the show, this was the highlight of the night for me. Um, Sami Zayn got a nice pop. Um I know we we talked on our last show about you know his popularity and and we you know talked about how how is Sami Zayn going to be without Kevin Owens and him standing on his own for the first time in I mean literally two and a half years because 
I mean, how how long was he an honorary oos and and in the you know involved the bloodline? I mean, that went on for a while. Um, I mean, the last quote unquote singles run he had, he lost to Johnny Knoxville WrestleMania. So I mean, this is a little bit of a step up taking on Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre with a tune up for his match at um, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so this was definitely a good match for both of them, and, and it did not disappoint. Um, you know, I know Drew McIntyre countered the Blue Thunderbomb once, but then he wanted pitting it, and it was just, you know, Claymore, and that's it. Once you get hit with the Claymore, you're, you're done. I don't know how many people have ever kicked out of the Claymore. It would be very interesting to see what happens at Crown Jewel if, if he hits Seth with the Claymore up, see what happens. Uh, but yeah, this is an enjoyable match. I actually gave it a B plus. Okay, I definitely agree with the grade. I enjoyed the match. It was nice to see Sammy, you know, wanting to stand on his own. Uh, he gave Drew a good battle. I mean, it went back and forth, back and forth, which was good. But the interesting thing I wanted to talk, I wanted to make a point on, was when Rhea Ripley came out. You know, she looked like, you know, she she cheered for Drew and the whole nine yards, and then Drew, like you said, Drew hits the Claymore. Nobody gets up from that, and then he just gets out of the ring and just walks right by Rhea Ripley as if she wasn't even there. But, yeah, I really really enjoyed the match. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they do the Drew McIntyre-Seth Rollins match. But I definitely agree with the grade. I gave it a B-plus as well. I thought Sammy held his own. Yeah, I did forget to mention earlier there was a little backstage segment where Seth was kind of walking backstage and Rhea kind of tried recruiting him to the Judgment Day um, and kind of saying how, you know, you can be like Roman Reigns and have a long reign if you're with us. And then Seth basically just said, you know, I don't want to be anything like Roman Reigns. So, yeah, I did forget to mention that. Um the next match was definitely, like I said, the last match was the highlight of the evening until this match, as it pitted big Bronson Reed against the latest recruit in the Alpha Academy, um, Akira Tozawa. Shiv, what'd you think? Uh, poor Akira Tozawa. He just happened to be in the ring with the wrong guy at the wrong time, and you know, I think Bronson Reed had, was a little bit, um, how do I want to put it, um, a little bit pissed because he lost to Gunther the week before, so I guess he had something to prove and wanted to take his frustrations out on Tozawa. But, you know, give Tozawa credit for, you know, going in the ring with a guy that big. And, you know, Tozawa, he just could have took Tozawa and swatted him like a fly on the wall. But uh, he tried to do what he could to make Tozawa look good against this, with a skinny guy, against a big guy. And, and it was kind of comical for me in the beginning. I gave it a state. Okay. Um, I totally agree. I mean, it was Tozawa against Bronson Reed, and you got everything out of this match you thought you were going to get. I'm still, I, I'm still wondering if they had to break out the scraper to scrape Tozawa off the ring after that tsunami. Um, cause he was, I mean, he was just totally squished and, and you barely saw any of them with big old Bronson Reed pinning him. 
um, Tazawa basically disappeared. If it wasn't for the fact that his leg was sticking out, you wouldn't have known the human being under there. Um, but it was it was an enjoyable match. Um, it was your typical, you know, big man beating the crap out of a little man. Um, and yes, do I feel bad for Tazawa that it happened, that he got beaten up? Yes. But I also feel good for him because anytime you can get on TV, it can't be a bad thing. Nice cup. Um, but I also did give this a C, just like yourself. Okay. Uh, and then we then went to the main event of the evening, as it was main event Jey Uso taking on Damian Priest. Um, I get to go first with this one. And this was a good match. You got everything out that you thought you were going to get and more. Um, and the more that, well, you probably didn't think you were going to get it was outside interference by the Judgment Day. And then the quote-unquote rescue by a hobbling Cody Rhodes, which at first I thought maybe she was coming down. I still don't know. But did it appear to you that he had one of those air casts on? Or did he just have his sock on? That is shoes no, tucked into. Okay, I thought so, but you know I'm, I'm having eye surgery tomorrow because I can't see for shit. Um, but I couldn't tell if it was an actual air cast or what. But you know we'll we'll get to that a little bit more. But the matchup between Jey Uso and Damian Priest, it, it was just as good as you thought it was going to be. Um, wasn't the best match of the night in my opinion. My opinion, Sami Zayn, Drew McIntyre was a little bit better than this one. Um, so I'm going to give this one also a B plus, but not the high B plus. Give it a lower B plus. The after match um, with Cody Rhodes hobbling down um, and then, you know, putting all the weight on his one good foot to, to punch Finn Bauer to get down to the ring. And amazingly enough, when you're in the ring and you're doing these moves, you're not limping at all. I, I hate that. I hate that, that they do that. Um, but it's gone on in WWE for years. Somebody's limping with an injury, then all of a sudden, once they start doing some offensive moves, ooh, I'm not limping anymore. And then the offensive moves stop, and they're fine. Um, I'm going to start limping again. But I did like it, but like I said, just not as much as the other match. So I'll give this one a low B+. Plus. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with the grade. I thought it was a good match. Uh, Cody coming down kind of solidifies, you know, his his match, I believe, against Damian Priest at Crown Jewels is to say, you know, you guys hit me with a chair, messed up my ankle, it's still not going to stop me from coming down and, you know, still not going to stop me from having the match. <coughs> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good match. I agree with you as far as not being the best match to Sammy and Drew were just as good, even though it got the same grade, B-plus, like you said, the higher B-plus for Sammy and Drew. So, but I enjoyed the match. I gave it a B-plus as well. Okay, so overall grade? Overall grade, I gave it a B. Okay. Um, yeah, overall, I gave it a B-minus. There are too many, I mean, a very, very low B-minus. There are too many C, C-pluses in that one D to give the show overall um, I mean, it ended on a higher note, um, but, you know, 
I, I can't go much higher than the low B minus. Okay. And that was our Monday Night Raw recap. Uh, we're going to get we're going to get talking about night one of Halloween Havoc after Nuggies News. So Greg, oh. take it away. Okay. Um all right. I wasn't ready for that. Um hold on oh. one moment. Um uh, well, getting out I gotta go I left my water bottle in the kitchen. So I'm gonna go get that. In other words, Timmy has to pee. Um Well, I mean one thing we we didn't I mean we did talk about a little bit. Yeah, I'm totally sorry folks. I am just totally all out of sorts because I thought we were going straight to talk about Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm embarrassed now. Um, all right. So, um, Pulled up an article that just did some rest, basic wrestling rumors. Um, I know in the past, what we've seen at Survivor Series um, historically is brand-specific. Monday Night Raw champions versus SmackDown champions. Um, I know I had mentioned in our last show that could the Adam Pierce nick all this thing be the beginning of a rivalry between the two, or maybe we'll see a traditional five-on-five Raw team versus SmackDown team. Um, Regardless, right now, if you're looking at the matchups, you would have um, Damian Priest fighting Finn Balor one-on-one because they're the tag team champions. They hold both tag belts, so they'd have to fight each other one-on-one Maybe it would be a thumb war. You know, this is a thumb war. Um, then you would have Gunther taking on, right now, Rey Mysterio. Mm-hmm. Okay. Rhea Ripley taking on Io Sky. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. You could have, hold on, brain, oh, wow, look at this, hold on, light bulb, weep. You could have the, the two tag teams. Judgment Day take on Piper Niven and Chelsea Green. Um, and then you would have Seth Rollins taking on Roman Reigns. Um, but it is being reported that regardless of what plans they have for Survivor Series, there are absolutely no plans at all to have Seth Rollins work Roman Reigns at Survivor Series. If that's the case, then, I mean, maybe we still get the Raw 5-on-5 against the SmackDown 5-on-5. And then if they're still going to do the War Games matches, maybe one men's and one women's. But does that disappoint you to to not see the battle of, of champions at Survivor Series? Yep, and I really want, because to me, that would be, that would prove which is the better wrestler on on which brand. I mean, I would love to see Seth Rollins against Roman Reigns. That would be a hell of a match. I would love to see Gunther against, or, you know, yeah, Gunther against, well, I can't say Rey Mysterio, but they're both champions. Yeah, I think that, that would be a, 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 a okay match. 
that's who it would be. I mean, that would, I mean, Rhea Ripley versus EO Sky. I mean, tag teams. I mean, so I almost, I mean, to me, the only way we're going to see Raw versus SmackDown is if there's additional five on five Survivor Series match due right. to little competition between all this um, and Adam Pierce. And I still think it would be cool if it was both of them guys captaining the team and they have four other wrestlers. Yeah, um, cool. Right now, it is being reported that although we, you know, there had been the rumors going around that Drew McIntyre was not going to come back to the company. Uh, sorry, itch in my throat. Um, unless he had a new contract. And right now, he does not have a new contract. He is um, he is wrestling on his current, quote-unquote, shitty contract. And his contract is up after WrestleMania of last year. So knowing this, in my opinion, uh, see if you agree or disagree, I think, does this in your eyes, increase the chances of him beating Seth Rollins or lessen? That's a good point. Um, because I you can look, you can look at I it. Think it. Go ahead. I think it might increase his chances because if he beats Seth Rollins, now he's got a good shot to get the renegotiated contract he wanted. So... <laughs> But, the, but so, so you look at it in one of two ways. You look at it as, okay, why reward him when we feel like we're giving him a generous enough offer in money and years that he should take the contract? Yeah. Or, or, or do you give him the championship and say, hey, listen, you may think we lost faith in you, but no, we have not lost faith in you. Here's the title to show that to you and use that as a bargaining tool. That it's so you can kind of look at it from both sides of the fence. Right. Um, there's also several other expiring contracts in 2024 that they have not yet addressed. Um the other big name on that list is the man, Becky Lynch. So if you're Becky Lynch and you are by many different outlets considered to be the top woman of the food chain as far as women's professional wrestling and you're not getting paid like that, what do you do? Do you, I mean, would you, I mean, I don't know. I mean, could you envision a Becky Lynch not being in WWE and being somewhere else? No. But at one point, did you ever think Sasha Banks would be somewhere else and not in WWE? No, not at all either. So, um, 
little little announcement was made today that um, WWE is going to Germany. Um, they have a premium live event set for August of 2024 called Bash um, Bash in Berlin. It's slated to be at the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Berlin on August 31st, 2024. Um, which means more than likely next year we will get two premium live events in August as SummerSlams in the beginning of August. So my quick question to you is with... SummerSlam supposed to be the, I mean, traditionally, if I remember, I always thought SummerSlam was an end of summer event, end of August, closer to Labor Day. Yeah. With it being in the first week of August, as of a couple years ago during the pandemic, when they were running short on shows and are canceling shows and everything was from the performance center, they did SummerSlam early in, in August and they've kept it that way. Wouldn't it have made more sense to flip them? Right. Because August 31st is a Saturday. That means September 2nd is Labor Day. Swine so just do a traditional SummerSlam on September 1st. Nobody works on Labor Day, so not to worry about right. keeping people up late and then do this thing in Berlin in early in early part of August. Yep. And let me just go back to this. Um right now. I got one of these um, buy or sell wrestling takes. So I'm going to give you the statement and you tell me if you agree or disagree with this statement. Okay. First one. It is time to build Damian Priest as the next world champion. I agree. Okay, so a little footnote, does it pay off? Mm, I, I, think, I think Damian Priest is ready to be champion. Okay, but does, does, okay, so I guess my question is, by beating whom and how soon? Uh, I would say by beating Seth... Probably at WrestleMania. Oh, so you're talking a slow build. Yeah. Okay, so are, are we talking it's quote-unquote Seth Rollins against um, Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania and Damian Priest cashes in making a triple threat and wins? Or has he attempted to cash in? How does he get to WrestleMania? Challenging Seth. 
I like the first one. I think he's going to cash in, make him a triple threat. Okay. okay. Like Seth did with Brock and Roman. All right. <laughs> okay. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? Please don't pair Logan Paul and Dominic Mysterio. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, WWE needs not months, but years to, uh, to build a credible star to dethrone Rhea Ripley. I disagree. Really? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say years to, to build one up. So you think who and when? Nope, she hasn't. So I, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a triple threat match between Becky, Jade, and Rhea at wow. WrestleMania. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this as nicely and as politely as I possibly can. No disrespect to the woman who has bigger biceps than I have calf muscles. What? Sorry, Faith. What the fuck has Chade Gargill, Cargill done to warrant in six months a main event at WrestleMania? Well, nothing yet, but they're going to build perfect, it up. Perfect. Perfect. Nothing. That's it. Nothing. I'm sorry, but how long did it take for Bianca Belair to get to the main event against Sasha Banks? Not six months. Nobody here. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think it would be a huge mistake if they did that so soon. Um, SummerSlam next year, that I might buy for a dollar and ten cents. Um, and then the final statement, Triple H is finally utilizing the depth of the Monday Night Raw roster. Uh, I would agree with that. So would I. And I think the perfect example is Tazawa. I mean, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, um... You know, one other thing we didn't mention on Monday Night Raw was a little backstage thing with The Miz talking about how he's a, the first ever two-time Grand Slam and champion and, and he's not prominently placed on Raw. That's because others are getting the opportunity to showcase what they can or can't do on Raw. And... That is what I have for Nuggies News this week. Trib, just give me one sec. So, Trib, you have anything going on with anything else in, in the independent scenes? Any more shows? Any more matches? Nope. On shows? Just the ones that I announced on Sunday. 
You know, Saturday, October 28th, Thriller in Paradise, PAPW, will be at the training facility at 662 Co. Avenue in East Haven. Oh, that's Bell this Saturday. That's this Saturday. Yeah, oh, 28th. Okay. Bell right. time at 7 p.m. Jesus. Uh, also, there's going to be Tetsu Pro Wrestling. End of October. Having, right. a show, having a show called Those Who Fight Too, which will be November 4th at the Bristol Boys and Girls Club at 255 West Main Street in Bristol, Connecticut. Doors at 6.30. Bell time is at 7.00. Tickets are general admission $20, and front row is 25 They have a West End Street Fight, Loser Leaves Town, HVO, High Voltage Omar, versus Ty Shine. They also have a tag team match of Patrick Saint and Sergeant Fury, not Sergeant Murray, Sergeant Fury, versus Pretty Poppy and Mr. James. Round two of the title turn of the Tetsu Pro Wrestling title tournament will take place as Azriel, we've seen him before, will battle Bobby Ocean, one of my favorites on the indie scene, and Ryan Frost against Troy Stevens. Oh, okay. Now we, well, we, remember, we remember Troy Stevens from his days with Joseph Von Schmidt at PWA. And then Sonny Kiss versus a mystery opponent. They have not yet uh, decided who's it going to be yet. They have a ladies match. Delmi Echo versus Skylar Gray. Skylar is from the Battle Academy. And the match I would really love to see. We've we've seen these two guys in action before. Lucas Chase squares off against Hippie Dicky Moon. Yes. So that will be... November 4th in Bristol, Connecticut at the Bristol Boys and Girls Club. That's Tetsu Pro Wrestling. And other organization that um, Mr. Trivia and the Top Rope Report have been getting involved, uh, starting to get involved with now is New England Ring Gladiators is presenting House of a Thousand Slams. I kind of like the name. And that's October 27th at 109 Middle Street in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. Reserved front row tickets are $20. General admission is $15. Uh, There are some names on here that we won't recognize, but hopefully as we start talking about the organization, we'll get to know the wrestlers. One guy we understand, we know, Hunter Tarka from from the Battle Academy will battle Mike Montero. A tag team match. It's a street fight. Mike, Mike Montero is the champion, right? Isn't it a championship match? Yep. Yep. Um, the street fight tag team of the Hoods versus Merchant versus Merchant and Brooks. Those are the names they, that they have out there. There's a tag team title match. DCMC versus Social Influence. Now I've heard of Social Influence before. I've definitely never seen them competing uh, in the ring, but I understand they're a pretty good tag team. A women's match is on the card. Ariel versus Asana. Don't know much about either one of them. There's a tag team match, the Young Guns versus the Trenders. There will be a mystery battle royal. They have not decided, you know, what the winner of the mystery battle royal gets, whether he gets a future title match or whatever hasn't been determined yet. 
and then Shay Cash versus Devin Ballard. And that is New England Ring Gladiators, House of a Thousand Slams on October 27th at 109 Middle Street in Fairhaven, Mass. And now we're going to be doing something that we don't usually talk about on the show. Last night's night one of Halloween Havoc. Um, I look forward to watching it. I thought it was a pretty decent show. Um, Greg, would you like to start off first? Sure. Um, It started off with our co-hosts, Shotzi and Scarlett. Apparently, they do something on the WWE YouTube channel. Um, I've never seen it. I I know I I saw a little video with Grayson Waller talk about being on it, and I I don't know. Never heard of it. Um, But they opened up the show and announced the first match which was a Devil's Playing Ground match that had Roxanne Perez against Kiana James. Um, this is basically a anything-goes, falls-count-anywhere match. Um, there was a cheesy little backyard swing set um, ringside, uh, like a little kiddie pool with stuff in it. Um, but th- this came up, you know, between the two of them, just not liking each other and getting in each other's matches. Um, I always thought the spin the wheel to make the deal matches happened right then and there. I didn't know that they spun them a week ahead, which is what happened for two matches this week happened later on in the show for a match next week. Um, but these two ladies beat the crap out of each other. They really did. Um, the, um, back body drop that Roxanne gave to Kiana through that little, granted it was just a a plastic ladder, but still, I mean, those things are hard plastic. Um, Kiana James shows up, you know, some athleticism that you wouldn't expect her to do. She's actually a little bit better in the ring. I know she's a, a cheap knockoff of Brooke Tessmacher with the whole businesswoman type look, the short skirt and the briefcase. Now it's a pocketbook loaded with bricks. But, hey, um, and the only, the only tough part to get about Roxanne Perez is how small she is and how unforceful or non-power all of her punches look. I mean, she looks like she's swatting away mosquitoes. I mean, a difference between two other girls that are her size, Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss. They, uh, Alexa Bliss, especially Alexa Bliss, she delivers that smack and you hear it. So even though it might not be that hard, she knows how to deliver it to the point of where it looks like she just clocked you. It, Roxanne's like, like you remember like when you were like in fifth grade and you had the little kindergartners punch you in the arm and they thought it was funny because it didn't hurt? That's what yeah. it looks like. That's the only problem I have with her. Other than that, I think she's extremely talented. She's only 20, 21, so she has a future. 
I'm sure she can learn a little bit more. Um, the, her finishing move, Pop Rocks, um, it's a good move for her to use. She delivers it very well, and that's what she wound up doing, delivering Pop Rocks outside the ring on the quote-unquote brick-loaded purse um, to get the win. Um, a good way to start off the show and give it a B as in boy. Okay. Yeah, I, I like this match. I thought it was really good. They went back and forth. Like you said, they beat the hell out of each other. And it ended with the the purse with the brick in it. You can see the little pieces as she poured it out of the pocketbook. I really think that uh, Kiana James is going to be a superstar eventually, along with Roxanne Perez once they once she gets more experience. I, I enjoyed the match quite a bit. I gave it a B plus. Okay. All right. After that, we then went to the NXT debut of Lexus King as he took on a gentleman by the name of Dante Chen. Um, Trib? Uh, I really don't know what to make of this match. I thought, I've heard so much about Brian Pillman Jr., Blackless King, as he's known as now. I was not impressed with him in the ring. Maybe it was because it was his first first match in NXT. That Dante Chen, you know, he, he would hold his own there for a bit. I just don't like the disrespect that Lexus King showed towards his dad. Brian Pillman was one of the best, rest his soul. I think he was one of the best in the business back in the day when he was wrestling. But that's just my opinion. Um, yeah, I wasn't really impressed with Lexus King in his first match. Um, you know, maybe they got something planned for him down the road. We'll have to see what they're going to do with it. I gave it a stay. Okay. Um, sorry, just looking at looking up something real quick. And, of course, it's taking me a lot longer than I thought it was going to. I thought I'd be able to get this before. Fuck. Oh, well. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, there's really not much to say about it. I mean... And you can't really make much of an opinion when a new guy's fighting a nobody. Um, never saw this Dante Chen. No idea where he came from. Is he somebody in NXT developmental? Um, or was he just uh, the soda, the guy that changes soda kegs um, back in the souvenir stands or whatever? I don't know. He looked like a regular plain Jane. Didn't even really look much like a professional wrestler. But, you know, who am I to say? Um, but yeah, there really wasn't much to judge. Yeah, he looked okay. Um, I don't know. He looks more like a young Sammy Hagar to me, um, with his hair all blonde like that. But, eh, I mean, did I like it? No. Did I hate it? No. It was just, eh, you know. So, I'm going to give it a straight up C as in cat. Okay. Uh, all right. After that, we went to the first semifinal match in the women's breakout tournament, which saw Kalani Jordan taking on Ariana Grace. Um, I know this was the second breakout tournament that Ariana Grace has been in. I know last year she hurt herself, was out basically for a year. 
only recently made a return to NXT and for this tournament. I don't know about her character. I think it's dumb. I mean, if you're going to portray somebody as being like this beauty queen, make sure they're a beauty. I, I guess that's the only thing I can say because there's not anything, you know, Maxine Dupree. Yeah, somebody like that. Somebody that's just straight up beautiful, but not this lady. Um, and she's not that good in the ring. She's okay. Um, Kalani Jordan, probably, you know, one of two women in the entire tournament that you already knew about because she had had those matches with Dana Brooke as her mentor. Um, Dana Brooke, as we all know, is no longer with WWE. So she's kind of just been going solo ever since. And uh, she does an okay job. Um, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she won. Um, but yeah, this was just an above average match overall. Give it a C plus. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't too uh, wild about this match. I didn't think either woman did all that great. Um, I do remember Kalani Jordan from her time with Dana Brooke. This is Ariana. I, I don't know much about her. Haven't really seen her perform that much. But I really didn't like this match. I didn't really care too much for it. I gave it a C minus. Okay. After that, we then went to a NXT Tag Team Championship match as it was Chase U um, um, taking on the family, um, Stax and D'Angelo. Trib, what'd you think? I liked this match. Uh, Chase U, for some reason, every time I see them, they always start off, to me, they start off slow. They start off like their their moves are not going to go as well as expected, and then once they get the ball rolling, you know I think they uh, they they do quite well. I enjoyed the match. It was interesting to see a um, a tag team title match uh, change as well. You know, as early well, you really can't say as early as it did because. Um, Stacks and uh, Tony D'Angelo, they had the title for a little bit. I mean, not very long, but they had it longer than usual, longer than most people probably expected. But um, I don't see Chase University holding on to the title very much longer. I think they gave him the title because they've been together for a while and they get, uh, they've been on TV for a bit talking about this, talking about that. You know, they got the camaraderie and everything. But. I just thought that the match was really, really good. I enjoyed it. A lot of action. I gave it a B plus. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, to me, this was something where I think both tag teams were rewarded or have been rewarded for storyline payoffs. Um, Tony D'Angelo and Stacks, I had that whole thing um, with um, – schism and everything, or uh, maybe it was Gallus. Gallus, where he was thrown in jail for this and had all this going on, and the storyline paid off with them beating Gallus for the titles. Um, Chase U has had a lot of support. I mean, they've got that whole section in the audience where they all wear the Chase U sweaters. Um, it, it, you'll see them sporadically throughout, but anytime that they're there, 
I guess everybody in that part of the audience gets to wear them. Um, it's kind of like the judges' chambers at Yankee Stadium. You know, you get lucky enough to get those seats, you, you wear a robe. Um, and I think the title paid off because of the popularity of Chase U with the fans. Um, they've introduced JC Jane into the into the storyline here. Um, kind of missed where there was the 360 where JC Jane was trying to convince Thea Hale to leave Chase U, and now all of a sudden JC Jane supporting Chase U. I know there was one episode of NXT I missed when I was out in Colorado and California, never caught up to it, so maybe that's when it happened. Um but yeah, I think it paid off because of the support they get. But with all that being said, I really did like this match. And I think the main roster needs to look at NXT because NXT has five or six tag teams, legitimate tag teams that wrestle together all the time. And I think the main roster needs to take a look at that because that's one of the more successful parts of NXT is their men's tag division. And I, I, I'll totally agree with the great egg. You gave it and give it a B plus. Alrighty. Okay. And then after that, and then, and then we went to the second spin the wheel and make the deal match of the night as it was a lights out match between Blair Davenport and Gigi Dolan. Um, unlike other matches, um, this was basically a no-disqualification match, quote-unquote, in the dark. They had that little black light thing on so you can kind of see um, where, you know, like the yellows and oranges glow in the dark. But Gigi Dolan's hair didn't glow in the dark, which was kind of disappointing to me. But anyways... Um, yeah, what can I say about this match other than I was happy that it ended? It just wasn't wasn't a good match. It was it was bad. I mean, I'm not a huge Gigi Dolan fan. I could care less about Blair Davenport and putting the two of them in a match. I guess using weapons to. <laughs> make it more interesting, but when you compare this to the Devil's Playground match, there was no comparison. This was a joke of a match. I didn't like anything about it. I gave it a D as a dog. Oh, okay. I, um, I, I agree with you on the match and everything. I didn't think it was all that great. Um, I think they could do better. I don't think Blair Davenport is that bad of a wrestler. Um, well, I just don't care for her. Gigi Dolan, she doesn't do anything for me. They just need to, you know, take these two and maybe, I don't know, especially Gigi Dolan, I think they just need to get her off to the side somewhere. But, um, yeah, I didn't really care too much for this match either. I gave it a C. Oh, okay. Um, after that, we then went to the second semifinal of the night to determine who was going to be facing Leilani Jordan in the women's breakout tournament, as it was Carmen Petrovich. Oh, I just got a notification that you were live. Um, taking on Lola Vice. Triv, what did you think of this one? I thought it was an okay match. 
I mean, Adam, like I said, this is just like the other one. I don't know. I don't know too much about either one of these women. Uh, some of them, you know, both of them, they looked pretty good. I mean, there was some some moves that I enjoyed watching. Um, where they're going to go with these two, where show what Shawn Michaels is going to do with them on NXT. I mean, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know who's gonna who's gonna take the the knockout not the knockout the breakout uh, who's gonna become the next breakout star and um, it's gonna be interesting to see how, how they're gonna so I mean who, who he's gonna have win I think Kelani Jordan will probably you know be the winner that'll be my pick but match was okay I gave it a C plus oh okay um, is watching Robert yeah Hill, thanks for tuning in. This was definitely the worst match of the two semifinal matches. Um, I mean, this Lola Vice has been around for a little bit. Um, I know she's been in tag team with that, whatever her name is. Um, I was going to say Carmen Electra. <laughs> um, Electra Lopez. I know they've been in a couple matches before as tag teams. Um, so I guess this is her opportunity to break out as a single star. And, eh, I mean, this was worse than the other match. Um, I mean, kudos to Shawn Michaels and NXT for literally having a show with five women's matches total. But this was the worst of them all. It was bad. I didn't, I didn't like this one at all. I actually gave this one a straight-up D as well. After that, we then went to the match of the evening, as was the main event, as it was Lyra Valkyria taking on the NXT Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. Um, As trivia said, just before this match started, um, Jade Cargill was shown up in the little balcony there. Um, I mean, why she had security with her, I don't know. She looks like she can beat the shit out of 90% of the men in NXT as well. But, hey, you know, um, it is what it is. It was what it was, and that's what it'll always be. This, and I, I've talked up Lyra Valkyria for a while, and this match, it showed anybody that hasn't seen her why. I, I... I don't know if I've actually mentioned it on the show, but there's so much in her early part of her career that reminds me of Becky Lynch early in her career. Um, I mean, if you remember before Becky was had gotten pregnant, she had those thick thighs. You know, she didn't slim like she did until she had to lose all that baby weight. Her body build is very, very similar in into what Lyra's is now, or was, I should say, it's what Lyra's is now. Her in-ring, I, I mean, I loved everything about this match. As of right now, if we had to give a match of the year and we split it up between the men and the women, this would be my front runner for match of the year. That's how much I like this match. It had near fall after near fall, and thank you. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, whoever did it. It was a 
clean victory. And the crowd appreciated every second about it. And that made this match that much better. Um, It's just... I, I do get confused as to why people tap out to the disarmor. Because how does that hurt? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't get it. But anyways, that's a whole other thing. I love this match. I gave it an A. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said. I definitely agree with the grade. Why um, Valkyria? I mean, she's she looks like she's going to be the future of NXT. You know, her and Becky went at it back and forth. You know, like you said, and the main thing was it was a clean victory, which we haven't seen anywhere in a long time. And kudos to Lyra for, for winning the title. You know, Becky was uh, gracious in a defeat with a nice hug at the end of the match. Yep. So I thought it was a good match. I gave it an A as well. Okay, so overall... Um, I mean, it was better than Raw. Um, had that little lull in, in the middle of it, those back-to-back horrible matches with ladies, and I think that made this match that much better. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it overall B-. minus. Okay. I, I give it a B plus. Oh, okay. So, so next uh, week, really quickly before we go on, next week... They have seven matches for night two of Halloween Havoc. Okay. First match is the women's finals in the breakout tournament. Kalani Jordan against Lola Vice. Then Mr. Stone taking on Braun Breaker, a.k.a. Tazawa taking on Big Bronson Reed 2. <laughs> the Creed Brothers take on um, Angel Garcia, Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo. Dirty Dominic Mysterio defends his NXT North American Championship against Nathan Frazier. Chelsea Green and Piper Niven defend their WWE Women's Tag Team Championships against Thea Hale and JC Jane. Trip, you got to sit for it. All I see is your nose. There you go. Um, Tiffany Stratton takes on Fallon Henley. And then Ilya Dragunov defends his NXT Championship against Carmelo Hayes. Okay. Looks like night two is going to be a, a real good uh, knockdown dragout show. Yeah, could be. I mean, I think the best match of the night is going to be Mr. Stone against uh, <laughs> Ron Breaker. <laughs> could be very interesting. Yeah, really. All right, so um, that's night two of Halloween Havoc. We'll be talking about that as well. Um, but now we got, we're got coming up on... Uh, Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel. Use your words. Believe, <laughs> what's that? Use your words. And I believe it's, what, five matches now? Five matches now, yep. They added uh, Cody Rhodes against Damian Priest. Um, so... Um, as I was starting to say before, this will be the third consecutive premium live event that Cody Rhodes is in a match that was just kind of 
a last minute, just throwing together thing just to get Cody Rhodes on a premium live event. So I want to make this match a little more interesting. So what would your thoughts be if due to these circumstances that we saw this past Monday night, on Monday Night Raw coming up next week. Um, that Cody Rhodes suggests raising the stakes and suggests that senior Money in the Bank Damian Priest puts his briefcase on the line. Cody Rhodes wins and is now Mr. Money in the Bank. And that's how he gets to attempt to cash in on Roman Reigns and finish the story. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened because there have been rumblings on a couple of websites that I've been reading you know, one of them's pretty reputable. Some of them are just like those wrestling type things that I see. That um, there's going to be a wrestler that's going to challenge Damian Priest for his Money in the Bank contract. Right. Would I would I like to see it? Mm, I, I don't know because I think Damian Priest deserves a chance to cash in the Money in the Bank, but. That's probably the way you're going to have Cody Rhodes attempt to finish the story. So this this the way I look at it is Cody Rhodes has a briefcase, tries to win the Royal Rumble and fails, doesn't win it. He then has his golden ticket and announces ahead of time that he is going to be at the main event of WrestleMania. Challenging for whoever has a WWE Universal Championship. So he could finish his story. It just happens that it'll be Roman Reigns. But though, So that's night two main event. With night one's main event being Seth freaking Rollins against the Royal Rumble winner, Gunter. That would be awesome. That would be two of the best WrestleMania main events, night one and two, that you'd ever want to see. Yeah. I, and then, I, and then I, you I, could I, have I, then then you could have Rhea Ripley, Becky Lynch co-main event night one. So it's husband and wife, <laughs> and the two big main yeah. events. Right. So, but those five matches are as follows. What are they, Greg? Seth Rollins defending against Drew McIntyre. Um, Rhea Ripley defending against Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Zoe Stark, and Raquel Rodriguez. Roman Reigns defending against LA Knight. And then Rey Mysterio defending against Logan Paul. Um, okay. Um, have you seen... Have matches, you? Sorry, go ahead. What other matches do you think they're going to put on, or what other matches would you like to see? Well, that's what I was just going to get to. Um... Have you seen or read any rumors in reference to there being a Gunther 
versus Chad Gable, 30-minute Iron Man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 30-minute Iron Man match at Crown Jewel. No, I haven't. Okay. I read somewhere, um, or it was a video that I saw, that somebody said that that's a match that they're looking to potentially have. They wouldn't do a 60-minute because that would just take up too much time on a pay-per-view and a premium live, but you can't – nowadays, right. you can't have a 60-minute match. That's one-third of the entire pay-per-view. And you couldn't right. do that really on a Monday Night Raw, although, I mean, you have three hours. Eh. Yep. You know. Can Gunther go – yeah, Gunther can go 30 minutes. Oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be a real interesting match – to have because we know Chad Gable can wrestle as long as he wants. Yeah. Yep. And him and Gunther in an Iron Man match, I think, would be one for the ages. Yeah. I, do you see them putting a second women's match on the card, even though there's already five women? And then after all, it is Saudi Arabia. So do you see them doing something with the SmackDown women's title picture at at Crown Jewel? Yes and no. I mean, are we going to see? Are they going to have Io Sky battle, uh, put her title on the line against a returning Bianca Belair? Are they going to have it another? Are they going to have right. another Io Sky Oscar match? Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. or are they going to have a title match with with Io uh, Sky where we finally get to see? Jade Cargill interact with or get no. involved in no in she's, something gonna, like she's that. gonna be on Raw. Jade Cargill is gonna be on Raw. She got welcome to Monday Night Raw last week. And oh, that's okay. when Adam Pierce said you might want to trade that. She had a blue thing on, so you might want to trade that in for red. Oh, okay. um, I, I yeah. had seen somebody speculate and this is before the Fatal 5-way, um, that there was going to be a Fatal 4-way of Charlotte, Bianca, Asuka, and Io Sky. I don't see them doing two multi-women matches in Saudi Arabia. That's their whole roster right there. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't see it either. But... You know, you never know what WWE is going to do as far as yep. uh, their, their women in the matches go. One other question I want to bring up to you um, before we end the show tonight. Now that this, um, what are they called? The, the new ones that took over for WWE. Well, TKO. TKO. Do you, I mean, is TKO going to have a lot of out of the country Premium live events? Because they have one in Australia coming up next year. They're going to well, have that, another one that, in Berlin, Germany. Yeah, but that, that one in Australia, that was agreed upon before they officially took over. Um, but they, I mean, look at UFC. They fight in Abu Dhabi all the time. I mean, they're a worldwide product. So, yeah, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't help or want to promote this as a worldwide product. I don't think they want to make it a U.S. specific product by any means, no. All righty. 
So real quick, one one of the, I I want I meant to mention this in Nuggies News. Um, okay. But have you seen the Pat McAfee show on ESPN? No, I haven't. Okay. The Pat McAfee show on ESPN is on from 10 to 2 live every every day, every weekend ESPN. He gets about uh, straight through ESPN about 1.4 million viewers. Okay? Monday Night Raw did 1.41 million viewers. Not this Monday, the Monday before. Okay? Fairly, very comparable. You know how many commercial breaks Pat McAfee takes in each hour? One. One seven-minute break. He comes on at 12, at 12.53, it goes to commercial. He comes on at 1, at 1.53, that's it, show's over. He continues his show on YouTube, so you can still catch it, so he doesn't acknowledge that it's going off the air. So why, on God's great earth, can't the USA Network show a 12-minute match without a commercial break. <laughs> I think it all has to do with sponsorship. You don't... ESPN could buy USA and use them as scrap paper. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I don't get it. I will never understand why they do it that way. And I they mean, have like five or six commercials. Yeah, an hour. Yeah. If you're telling me you can you can get away with fifty three minutes of programming and seven minutes of commercials, they just do it all in one block. How can I don't get it? Either do I. That's that's just something that they're gonna have to you know probably look into eventually. Yep. So, all right. Well, thanks. Uh, great show tonight, Greg. Um, yep. I want to thank the people tuning in tonight, Doug, Raphael. <coughs> Excuse me. Unfortunately, we weren't uh, joined by Mr. 24-7 tonight, and uh, hopefully he'll be back with us on Sunday. So on behalf of the Nokia Greg, this is the illustrious Mr. Trivia for the Top Rope Report. Say thank you all, and we'll see you on Sunday.